Well, welcome today as we uh, wrap up our series called Second Nature, where what we've been uh, learning over the past five weeks or so is that there's some things that as Christians we're called to do that should just become second nature to us. We shouldn't even have to really stop to, to think about it. There's this interesting part in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking and he says, when you do, and then he says you know, various things. Not if you do these things, but when you do these things. And so he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, and then he explains how to do it. Last week, then, we looked at when you worship, because worship's supposed to be a thing that all of us uh, end up doing, not just in the time of music like we just did, but as a part of our entire uh, being and existence. Today, we're wrapping up the series, and we're going to talk about when you go. Because going as followers of Christ is not an option. It's just something that we're supposed to do. In fact, Jesus' great commission that he gave to you and I, right as after his uh, death, burial, his resurrection, he gives his disciples one last final instruction. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus has this to say. He says, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded commanded you and surely I'm with you always even to the end of the age that's his command to do what to to go it's not optional it isn't if you go it's when you go and what does he say when you go you're supposed to make what make disciples and one of the things we've been talking about a lot here at exponential over the last year is that it's not enough for you just to be a disciple yourself Jesus says go and make disciples not be a disciple go and make disciples that in order to be a disciple, you need to be not only a, a spiritual parent, but then a spiritual grandparent that you are actually helping make disciples who in turn make other disciples. Now, as you're going and making disciples, what you're going to find is that you're going to make a difference. You're going to go and serve and you're going to do various things. And what you discover as you're, as you're going is that God begins to change you as well. And so I invited a, a friend of mine, he's only been a friend for a couple of months now, to, to come and, and be with us today. His name is Nico Anglin, and uh, I'm going to real quick just remind you guys, in case you haven't heard the story of how Nico and I got to meet uh, a couple months ago. It was a Friday, it was right after Christmas, it was the, the first Friday after Christmas, I believe it was December 28th. It was a cold rainy day here in Harrisburg, and uh, it's my day off Fridays, and Lisa and I usually have our date day and go out to eat somewhere, but Lisa wasn't feeling well, and she says, let's just grab some fast food, go back to the house. And I said, okay, now that, that's weird just in and of itself. We hardly ever eat any fast food. And then she said, well, let's eat at McDonald's. So we went to the McDonald's right up here on 22, and we're sitting there. We had already ordered, and we're waiting to get our food, and my watch starts to buzz. Now, normally that means it's a text message. But in this particular case, I look down, and I see it's actually a Facebook private message, and I can only read the very first couple lines. And it's like, hi, my name is Nico. I'd like to pitch a tent at your church tonight. And I'm thinking, what kind of scam is this? Because, it's, you know, pastors, we get all kinds of emails and phone calls and stuff, people trying to scam us. And it's my day off. Normally, I don't respond to anything, but I was like, all right, I'm not going to deal with this here in the car. I'll get home, see what it's all about. So I get home, and I open up the Facebook uh, app on, on my laptop, and here's this whole big thing from Nico saying, hey, my name's Nico, and I'm walking across America on behalf of the homeless, and I would like to pitch a tent at your church. And I'm still thinking, this is a scam. What is this guy? What's his angle here? And so 
I like look at the very bottom and he had sent me a thing that says, here's a link to my Facebook page. And I could tell it was a legitimate Facebook link. So I was like, okay, I'll click that. And it's Nico's Walk Across America. And again, I'm still thinking that this is a complete scam. But the very first post that I see is a picture of Nico at Christmas with a couple that I know from Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, about an hour south of here. And I know them. And I'm like, well, he must be legit then. <laughs> Gary and Joyce know him, and they welcomed him, in, uh, him into their home. And uh, so I called. He had left his cell phone uh, number, and so I called, and I was like, hey, even better than just pitching a tent. Again, it was, remember, it was a cold, rainy day that day. I was like, even better than, than pitching a tent, would you want to come and stay at least nice house? You know, you'll have a warm shower and a hot meal and a, a nice bed to, to sleep in, and that way you can, you know, get rested up a little bit for your trip. And he's like, that's incredible. He's like, I'm right near your church right now. Can you just meet me at the church? So I jump in the car, head back over here then to the uh, church, and as I'm driving, turning on the Earl Drive here, look at this uh, picture here, I see just this random guy just walking. <laughs> I figured, oh, that must be him, so I uh, slowed down. You notice uh, in the bottom, you can see I was doing the speed uh, limit there, 20. <laughs> so right there was the first miracle. Uh, I was doing the speed limit and taking a picture of Nico, and uh, so then uh, we get to the, the church, and I meet him, and you can see the very little bit of stuff he was uh, actually carrying as he's walking uh, across America. So he and I get to know each other a little bit, and and uh, we decided to head back to the house. And as we're pulling out of the parking lot, I said, would you like something to eat? And he said, no, I, I just ate at the McDonald's right up the way. <laughs> and I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, well, that's where Lisa and I ate. And he said, yeah, that's where I was at when I messaged you. <laughs> now think about that for a second. He was actually inside the McDonald's messaging me as I'm sitting in the drive-thru at the McDonald's. And it, it's really neat. It, you had said you hadn't updated your Facebook post in how long at that point? Um, I think it, can you guys hear me well? There we, there go. we go. I think it was about a couple weeks before I updated, and I figured after Christmas, because I was hosted by Joyce and them, that it would probably be good to update where I was for Christmas and everything. So originally I was going to wait a couple days after to update it, but I figured, hey, I should just do it at McDonald's while I'm there now. And the reason he was like, hey, you should stay with me is because I updated it prior, a couple minutes before I messaged him. Yeah. yeah, so it's just an amazing way how God works in that way that he feels prompted that I need to update my Facebook post right now. And so he updates it, and I get the message, and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> now, here's what, what we need to understand. He started in Kansas City. By the time he gets here, He's already been on the road walking for about 900 miles at that point. So before we get to here and the end of the journey, let's talk about the beginning of the journey. So you are Nico, and welcome. Let's give uh, Nico a, a big uh, welcome here. Thank you. Thank you. You're fine. They'll pick you up. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my name is Nico, and I spent the last three months of last year walking from Kansas City to New York City. And over the premise of the three months, so it took just over, that was 90th, I think. I left October 1st, and I arrived in New York City January 6th. And um, the course of the trip, actually, once I got a little bit farther into it, was to raise awareness for the homeless community. So every mile I walked, money was donated to the community. 
and then whatever awareness was raised on Facebook. Right. But let, let's back up before you actually get on the road and everything. Tell everybody about, I mean, you're what, 22, I think? Yes, I turned 22 on the trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's odd for a 22-year-old to suddenly say, you know what, I feel like walking across the America. So tell everybody what you were doing beforehand. Again, you can do as much detail yeah. on that as you want to. But why would you even get to the place where you would want to walk across America for the homeless? Yeah, so prior to the trip, I spent the year before working on a couple different businesses with my brother. And throughout the process of building the businesses, I ultimately felt like I started to take what I had for granted. Um, I had this amazing opportunity to build the life of my dreams. We were doing great in these different adventures. And I started to notice that throughout the time, I wasn't working as hard as I could. I would, instead of working eight to 12 hours a day on the business, I'd be working two hours and watching Netflix the rest of the day or playing video games. And I was, I was really discouraged and frustrated with myself because I did have this amazing opportunity. So I figured, hey, what's the best way to value what I have is to give it all away. And not so much of giving all my supplies away, but going away from it. So I figured if I walked from Kansas City to New York, I would understand what someone with nothing would have and I would have to venture out and value what I had because I'd walk for eight hours a day, which was probably about 24 or 25 miles. And then I would have to work on the business for the little bit of time I had. And then as I got into the trip a little bit farther, I would talk to a lot more people. So it definitely accomplished that I needed to value what I had in the time. Yeah, and as, as Nick and I have gotten to know each other, when I was his age, I was basically in the same situation. I was self-employed, had a bunch of people working for me, doing very, very well, and he's being humble in, in what he was sharing. His business was doing uh, very, very well uh, as well. But uh, eventually, you get to the place where you realize that, you know what, money and stuff, it just doesn't satisfy. There's got to be more to life than just simply that, and that, that's that wrestling that you were uh, going through, and you decided that, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the road. But... Uh, tell everybody, from the time you made the decision to taking that first step, it was how many weeks? Uh, it was two weeks. <laughs> uh, so I didn't want, the reason it was two weeks is I didn't want the opportunity for um, doubtful thinking and regret to hop in really quick. So I figured if it was just a two-week process, i search a little bit to see if people have done it because I just want to walk across the country and be like, hopefully someone's done this. And then, of course, order, order all my supplies and everything. Um, if I would have waited longer, I had a lot of people on the trip asking, like, hey, why didn't you wait till it was warmer? Or why didn't you try to train for it? And the biggest thing was, if I would have waited longer, I would have had those little voices saying, hey, you shouldn't do this or you should wait. And I, 30 years from now, I would have been still waiting. And you had plenty of doubters. Oh. When, you tell your, when you tell your family you're walking across the country, you get well, many... At, yeah, at 22, you get a lot of opinions, and <laughs> and you don't actually, I don't think you, I only had two people say, hey, that's actually a good idea, I'm happy to see you do that. Most of everyone was like, are you crazy, or I had someone ask if I was mentally ill. That's a really, it's a really interesting time, and <laughs> my mother was um, ecstatic that I decided to do it also. I believe that was said as uh, facetious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, uh, you, you get on the road and then you have this idea to, to now walk on behalf of the homeless. Can you share with everybody why, why the homeless? Why not for you know, child abuse or whatever? Why is that a, an important issue for you? 
yeah, so um, growing up, we didn't always have a lot. I mean, we had enough. We had the love of my parents and all those different things, and I had what I needed to go to school and to eat, but we never were as well off as other people and always had second hands, of course. And as I was about two weeks into the trip, I was at this campground in Bevere, Missouri, and this gentleman reached out and said, hey, I like what you're doing. Would you want to um, actually raise awareness for this homeless charity that I actually know the CEO and the organization? I was like, yeah, I actually am a little bit... Um, it, it touches me a little bit more because growing up not having a lot, I am able to very well um, understand what someone who doesn't have a lot and being able to help them get out of that situation when I saw my family not 100% always be able to get out of the situation. I was like, yeah, that's, I would love to do that. Any extra bit? Yeah, so... He, he's got this thing, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head on the road. There were still probably those self-doubts that you had as well and those things that were holding you back. And uh, I love you were sharing with me that you had these like three pillars sort of in your mind that were sort of holding you back. What were, those, what were those three pillars for you that was keeping you from doing what God would want you to do? Yeah, so um, like I said, I had all this security in my life. I had a house, rent was being paid, I had a job, money was coming in, and then I had all my friends and family. So in those three pillars, or however many pillars you guys have per se, you can just bounce around those and not have to worry about anything outside of that. And the moment you lose that or you walk away from it, you have to rely on something different. And as the trip progressed, I noticed once I got rid of those three pillars, God became my one pillar and I had to rely on him. Yeah, so if you pull out your outline there this morning, this is going to be a little bit interactive for you. You can either do it on the digital version at exponential.church or the paper copy that you got as you came in. All of us have something that God is calling us to do in our lives. And many of you, he's been saying the same thing over and over and over again. And Nico said something great earlier. He's like, I had to do it immediately because if I didn't, we'd be sitting here 30 years later and I'd still be saying, oh, I should have done that. So what is it in your life right now that is keeping you? What are your pillars, maybe three pillars? Just write that there on your outline. What is holding you back? Maybe it's like for Nico, it could be a job, it could be money, it could be family. And, and by the way, today we're not suggesting anybody walk across America. Now if God calls you to do that, obviously. But what is it that God's calling you to do? And what is holding you back from being obedient to taking that next step that he's called you to take? So just take 30 seconds or so, write that down. What is it? Is it family, friends? Is it fear? Um, it, it could be all kinds of uh, different things. Security, lack of faith. What is it for you that's sort of holding you back? Now, as they're wrapping that up, um, 1,100 miles is, or almost 1,200 miles. That, that's a long, long way. In fact, uh, we were talking about it th this morning at, at breakfast. I made a commitment three years ago that I was going to, every day, regardless of how I felt, whatever, I was going to do 7,000 steps, which for me is about three and a half miles a day. And I haven't missed for almost three years now of doing my three and a half miles. Uh, but that means that every 342 days, I do what you did in a three-month uh, period. So that's a long way to go, and I'm sure that there was some funny things or odd things that happen as you're walking across America 1,200 miles like that. Uh, so what, what was maybe the funniest thing that uh, happened as you were out on the road? 
funniest thing. So I was walking in Illinois, and as many might know, Illinois, there's nothing there, just flat, <laughs> always just flat. Uh, so I'm walking, and there's this train track probably about 200, 300 feet from me, and of course I'm walking against traffic, and I keep hearing, I have headphones on, as you guys saw in the photo. I keep hearing this train honk, and I know I'm not near a town, and I'm not near any intersections or anything, and I'm not in the middle of the train track, so why does this train just keep honking? So I ignore it. I'm like, okay, there's no need to look. So he, he keeps honking, and as, as I look over, he's passing by, and he's honking, and he's waving at me, just waving, just trying to get my attention. I was like, hello, how are you? But that was, that was cool seeing that when you're by yourself on the road, there's still people who want to reach out and say, and uh, you had an interesting encounter with a police officer. Don't, I, th this is a pretty long, detailed story. We'll Don't take a long time with it. But uh, share a little bit about uh, your, your friendly neighborhood police officer that pulled you over for walking. <laughs> so as it is legal to walk on the interstate if anybody ever decides to do it. So I was walking into, no, it was Decatur, Illinois. Illinois was such a great, it's a great state. Uh, <laughs> I was walking in Decatur, Illinois, coming out of it, and um, there was a tiny little stretch that I was walking on US 40 for about, I think it was like 700 miles, and I figured it was safer to walk in the grass on the interstate compared to the side skirt on US 40 because it was windy and I was gonna get hit by a car. I figured if I'm on the grass and the car's up there, there's a bigger issue of the car actually being on the hill compared to me being there. So I'm walking for a little bit, it was about seven miles I needed to go till I got to the sidewalk, and this officer pulls over, and usually they always pull over, so I knew it was just going to be, hey, you shouldn't do this. Keep going on your way. But he was, said, hey, you shouldn't do this. He yelled at me. I tried to tell him what I was doing, and I was trying to be a little bit safer. And he says, that's not going to fly. So on the, he's like, I'm going to take you back. And he didn't 100% tell me where he was taking me back, so I was like, okay. And he actually, on the way, he followed my Facebook page, um, got the link to pre-order the book, and dropped me off at the gas station I started at that morning. About four hours before. Yeah. yeah. He still follows the Facebook page. Though. Yeah. That you, he, when, when you were here in Harrisburg on the uh, 28th, he had shared that story. And he's like, yeah, the guy, every time I post something, the guy's like liking my Facebook posts and stuff. He's like, didn't like me that day, apparently. But yeah. Yeah. But could you imagine that? That you, you took all these steps forward and now you've gone back. And have you ever had that happen in your life? Did you think you're doing what God wants you to do? And you're taking all the necessary next steps, but then it seems like you have those setbacks. And it had been you know, easy for you to say, oh, I'm done. Yeah. But you didn't. You, you just kept going. Yeah, and so. to interject a little bit there, um, I definitely had to humble myself down and think about it because as much as I wanted to walk and keep walking, who knows what could have happened. Like God could have placed that officer there to take me back. So if a car would have ran off, I wouldn't have got hit. So as bad as it seemed, it actually could have been a blessing in disguise that I would not have known of. And a couple other interesting things I know happened along the way. So you uh, burnt your tent down one night. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was in Terre Haute, Indiana, and this gentleman was like, I'm going to build you this big fire. I was like, yeah, big fire. Sounds good. It was a little chilly that night. So I was like, I'm just going to scooch up my tent a little bit so I can feel the warmth coming in. Well, it wasn't as wet as I thought it was. So I woke up at like, 2 a.m. and there was fire on the grass coming to my tent. And I couldn't get out of my sleeping bag that quick because the tent was kind of packed. The next thing I know, the side of the tent's actually melting. 
because I couldn't get out of the sleeping bag as quick. So I had to buy a new one, unfortunately, but it worked out. So you had to buy a new tent and sleeping bag, all that kind of stuff. How many pairs of shoes did you go through as you walked across? Two. The first one lasted about 700 miles, and while I was walking to the shoe store, the bottoms were falling off. So they were much needed. And you walked in, remember, everywhere he goes, he has to have this big backpack on and stuff. So imagine going into a mall, and you got that. You know, people give you some strange looks. So tell me about some of the strange looks you got along the way, whether it was at the mall getting your shoes or any, any yeah, other time. I was eyeballed by the Secret Service, which was fun. Uh, I was in Decatur, Illinois again. And, <laughs> and I was at this church service, and I guess the, it was the day before the elections, and the mayor was coming in to visit the service, and... The backpack was my life at that time, so I had it with me at all times. Well, when you're carrying that around, around the current mayor, his protection unit does not enjoy that. So he was there, they kept eyeballing me. I was like, okay, it's probably best if I leave at this moment. It's nice seeing you. So I walked to this restaurant. Guess where the guy shows up next? So it looks like I'm pre-planning an attack on the mayor, and they're like, <laughs> and it was really bad because you're really awkward in that situation because you're like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. So you're staring at them awkward and they're staring back at you. Now they're thinking that you're planning something because you're staring at them and it's, it's a bad time. <laughs> so you, you started out on this journey and really the, the journey was going to um, you know, be about the homeless and you're going to raise money and, and things. But um, as you guys have probably picked up, he is a, a follower of Jesus. And uh, God started to speak to you and, and show you a lot of things about him and, and revealing himself. And uh, there's, there's a couple things that we've sort of taken away from his journey that we think you can take for your own uh, journey as well. So again, if you're, you're taking notes here this morning, the, the first one is this, that when you go, remember, it's not if you go, but it's when you go to do whatever it is that God's called you to do, you're going to discover the power of prayer. So share a little bit about how prayer impacted you and how God was supplying for you and, and meeting your needs. Yeah, so um, the premise of the trip was to walk across the country, of course, and then to raise awareness for the homeless. And walking from October 1st to January 1st, I was going to go through a lot of the major holidays like Thanksgiving, my birthday, Christmas, and New Year's. And it was fine. I understood that's what I was stepping into. It was okay if I was going to be by myself. So I was going into... I think it was Indiana, yes. Um, coming, actually coming out of Indiana, and I was at this McDonald's. It was the day before Thanksgiving, and um, I was sitting there. I was wondering if I should keep walking because the next day's Thanksgiving. Everybody has a place to be. I don't. I was figured, hey, I should just sit here. I should pray. And I was like, hey, God, I know this is the purpose of the trip. I know this is what I'm set out to be, but if you want me to be somewhere, just let it be known really quick, please, before I spend the next eight hours walking. And about two minutes later, a gentleman and his family that hosted me a couple days before texted me and was like, hey, um, do you have somewhere you're going to be for Thanksgiving? I was like, no, actually, I don't. He's like, I'm going to come pick you up. I'll drive you back to where we live. You can spend Thanksgiving with our family. And then I'll actually drive you back to where you are now the next day so you can keep finishing your trip. And it just showed me that not so often we think he hears our prayers or answers them as quick as we want. But if we do really need it, he'll be there for us. And then same thing, you met Gary and Joyce down in, yeah. in uh, Shippensburg, and you were a, a part of with, with Christmas, so share, share a little bit about that and, and how that all came to be. Yeah, so I was coming into Shippensburg, and um, it was, I was in Shippensburg for two days. The day before Christmas, 
Christmas. Actually, it was three days, Christmas Eve and then Christmas. And um, I knew I wanted to be somewhere for Christmas because being by yourself on Christmas isn't the most eventful time. But, so I stopped in the service, and before I, I prayed again, and I was like, hey, um, tell me which church I need to be at because I did have a couple opportunities at that time. So I showed up. I forgot the name of the church, unfortunately. Shippensburg First, First Church of God. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And they actually showed up, and they introduced themselves a little bit because most of the time it's an easy conversation starter when you have a 20-pound backpack on. Most people are like, oh, what's this guy doing? So we get in conversation, and they actually invite me to their house, and I spend Christmas Eve and Christmas with them. It was super cool. And then even us meeting, you're at McDonald's, you're, you're praying, and God reveals to you that, hey, you need to update your Facebook post right now, because I wouldn't have given you the time of day if it wouldn't have been for that picture and you being obedient to that uh, prayer and following God's prompting there, I wouldn't have uh, even probably responded to you, because again, I thought you were a scammer of some sort. Uh, but it is, it's just neat how God uh, will do that, and he supplies for us. And the, uh, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this in uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 19, and he says this, that you can be sure that God will take care of everything that you need, that this generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. So you saw a lot of generosity and various things as you were on the trip. Uh, what was the breakdown of nights that you slept in the tent versus, I know a couple times you got a hotel, versus then people taking you in? Yeah, so I, the total trip, the three months, I stayed in a hotel for seven nights. And there was one night, I think it was a blizzard I'd stay in. I decided it probably shouldn't be best if I stayed in my tent. So I stayed in, in Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, and then that was in New York City. And um, most of the other time was either spent, probably 40% of the time was in a tent, but the rest was with families. And so one of the things that you discovered along the way is the, the next point, that as you're going, not only are you going to discover the power of prayer, but then you're also going to learn to rely on other Christians, that you find out that you're not in this alone. We're not called to be independent. We're called to be interdependent. And you've got some really neat stories that you can share of just Christians that you met along the way that helped you in this journey. So go ahead. And yeah, so the start of the trip, I didn't have a Facebook page or anything along the sorts. I just wanted to do it for myself. I didn't want all this publicity and all these different things. So it was about two weeks in that I got a Facebook page, and then I started noticing how well this trip started getting connected just by fellow Christians. And um, it made me realize that not so often, so it's better explained the trip. A lot of people say, hey, the trip, like it's awesome that you did the trip by yourself and all that. But the trip wasn't just me. It was all the Christians that when I set up the Facebook page and I got in contact with one, they connected me to another church which then once I got there, they said, hey, I know this family 30 miles away if you want to stay there. And then that family connected me to this church, which connected me with, to this Christian business family. And as much as the trip does sound difficult, it was really easy because the community of God and the body of Christ actually got me to the end goal. And as much as That's where that point ends. <laughs> oh, work. You can keep going. You sounded like you had something else. I did, but then it totally just dawned. Okay, that, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, th there is a picture here. They're going to show some of the uh, various people that you uh, met along. Actually, look at that one at the bottom there, uh, outside hey. of Exponential Church. I wonder where that's at. <laughs> uh, 
Waffle House treated me well. Waffle House treated you well. So any of these uh, pictures you're seeing that spark any uh, memories for you? Of, uh, yeah, so the first, the bottom second photo over, the first bit of families that connected me was in Illinois. And those two actually- so Illinois wasn't all bad then. It was like 50-50. Okay. <laughs> and those families actually, they're all throughout Illinois and Indiana. So I spent most, I think it was like 10 or 12 nights with this just one family, just because they were like, hey, I know these people here, 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 here. And that was super cool. And then, so this bottom left right here is where I spent Thanksgiving. And then... That was a church in Terre Haute. Pentecostals are party animals when it comes to worship. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're good photos. I like them. <laughs> yeah. So, again, the Apostle Paul, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, that all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And a lot of times we recognize that in the, the local church, and we talk about that even here at Exponential, that look, you know, Gilbert, I'm just the big mouth, but it takes each of you to be the part of the body that God has called you to be. Some of you are the hands, some of you are the feet, some of you are the, the kidneys, you know, the lungs. And as I've always said, it's the parts that you don't see that are the most important parts of the body. You could get rid of your mouth and still survive. You get rid of your lungs, you're dead, right? So I am not the most important person that shows up here on Sunday. You guys are. And as, a, as the body of, of Christ is exponential during the week, remember, this isn't the church just here on Sunday. We are the, the church all week long. And so, again, I am not the most important part. You guys are because you're out in the community representing Jesus as his body. But one of the things that while we recognize that, we forget that exponential is just even a small part of the big capital C church. And I forget how many denominations you said of people that you came across uh, through the way. And yeah, I think I visited, I think it was seven or eight, because not every um, town had the denomination I would have preferred to go to. So I was able to experience a bunch of different worship sessions, messages. So that was really cool. Right. Yeah. And so it's really the, the body of Christ working together that we have a, a mission. So... Again, as, as you are called to go, not if you go, but when you go, don't try to do it yourself. This journey that he was on seems like it was a very solitary journey, and there were parts of it that were very solitary, but yet it was other people that he needed. It wasn't you know, just optional. He needed those people, not just from a, a generosity standpoint, but even from just the sanity standpoint, I'm sure, because on the road, does it get a little, do you go a little crazy at some point? Yeah, so like when you guys are just sitting around, you're, you, you have thoughts. When you walk for eight hours a day for three months, you have these thoughts, and then you start thinking about why you have those thoughts. It's a really <laughs> weird place to be in. So being able to talk to people was really nice, and I caught myself often eating at restaurants just to have conversation with people. So I was... And I remember that's one of the things that you said when we took you in was you're like, it's just so nice to talk to somebody, right? And so we, we can't go through life alone. And you guys have heard me say this before, that even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And he has the, the name Lone right in there, right? So even he had Tonto. So we need each other. We need to be interdependent, not independent. Does that make sense? So again, as you go, as you do what it is that God's called you to do, 
You're going to rely on the power of prayer. You're going to rely on God meeting all of your needs that you have. You're going to rely on other people. And then the, the third thing is you're going to discover your purpose. That's there on your outline. As you go, you're going to discover your purpose. And so talk a little bit about um, just how did the... Well, actually, we'll get to that in a second. Um, like from here in Harrisburg, you were only a week to 10 days away. What was your sort of attitude at that point? I mean, you're coming to the finish line, so to speak. How are you feeling physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally? What was that all like for you? I, as bad as it sounds, I was very ready for the trip to be over. So it was, physically, it wasn't as hard anymore because instead of walking 20 miles a day and your legs hurting and all those things, it just started taking time. So physically, it wasn't any issue. Spiritually, I felt much stronger um, than I did before the trip, and this will lead into this. Um, yeah, go ahead and put the next uh, slide. So, oh, that was, that was definitely New York. I actually cried three minutes before that photo. It was, because you, you, up till the trip, the goal was always New York, but it was, the goal was New York. It wasn't New York's there, and it was the week up, even in Harrisburg, I was like, oh, there's going to be a last Facebook post coming up here soon. There's going to be a last church I'm going to visit. There's going to be these last steps I'm going to take. And it was a really emotional experience going up into it. And um, going back to the purpose. Oh, I think that's actually. Yeah, go ahead. So going back to the purpose. Before the trip, I, I didn't get raised in a Christian household, unfortunately. And that might have been a blessing in itself. So I wasn't as close and as following God as I should have. And along the trip... Um, as much as the trip was to raise, raise awareness for homeless and to develop these little things, I felt like he put me on this trip to be closer with him. And through all these different lessons we talked about today, he brought me so much closer and made me rely on him 100% to know, hey, you can't do this without me. And now even after the trip, I catch myself thinking, how am I not relying on him anymore? And then I'm also catching myself praying all the time and all these different things just because he said, hey, you need to go on this trip. And that is the, uh, the, the slide then that you guys uh, see that as you go out, what you're going to discover is that it's not so much about the destination, it is about the journey. And so for Nico, you thought originally that I'm going to walk from Kansas City to New York, which you did. That was the destination, but you discovered so much more as you journey. So share some of those uh, things for yourself. How did God change you um, as you went? I mean, we already talked about you discovered the power of prayer and, and you discovered that you needed other people. Uh, but how else did he, he change you as you were walking across America? Yeah, he taught me to value people a lot more because as I was raising awareness for homeless, I was invited to a bunch of homeless shelters along the way, which is a humbling experience. Um, and it showed me that even if people are in a worse situation than you are, you guys are still the same because there was this shelter I stayed at in Indiana, I think, and these guys had nothing, and they invited me to stay there. And when I got there, the, the churches did rotations for hosting the community itself. And these, these gentlemen already had me a bed set up and everything made. They don't do it for anybody else. And I was like, wow, I have everything I need right now. These guys have nothing, and they're worrying about me more than themselves right now. And it was... And that was a really cool experience just to see, like, hey, someone might be in a worse situation. You guys can build each other up together, or someone can build you up, even if they're, per se, lower. What else? 
Um, it also taught me to read my Bible a lot more. So I would have a lot of time if I slept in my tent to read. And I noticed the transition of reading your Bible to um, going about your day. So like there's a lot of battles you face each day and you don't have a lot of reference to try to get away from like temptations, distractions, all the things until you start reading and you have scripture to actually have as your concrete wall to block the temptation. So I noticed reading was such a powerful thing and I implement that so much now too. Again, you originally thought that the destination was New York City and you did that, but you discovered that you know, the, the journey was very, very important, but yet the journey is still continuing for you. So how is this now, what, uh, three, four months after you completed, how has it impacted you? What was it like to get back from the trip? Uh, what have you been able to, to sort of carry on with you now? Yeah, I catch myself walking a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I do drive places now, so that's nice. It's much quicker. The plane here was very quick. <laughs> I think we did 359 miles in like 50 minutes. I was like, wow, <laughs> whoa. So um, I do catch myself walking sometimes if I need to think, because it is a good time to just think. I catch myself. Um, at the beginning when I got back, it was really hard to talk to people, per se my friend group, um, because I was in solitude a lot for the last three months, and that became my life. And while I did talk to groups of people, it was intentional conversations about the trip, and I had to get used to having little short conversations with my friends. So that took a little bit of getting used to. And then sleeping on a bed, that was good. <laughs> uh, so, so again, then um, after you got reacclimated, what's, what's your life look like? How is it different now? Because you went into it with this dissatisfaction of there's gotta be more to life than just simply doing my business. What's life look like now as far from a like day-to-day -day perspective of how, how have you been changed and shaped by your journey? Yeah, so I spent, before I was, I worked with my brother, so I felt like our personalities were combining in a sense and we were becoming each other mainly. And along the trip I noticed you are your own person and God made you to be your own person and I noticed my strengths along the trip. So now, um, whenever I'm going about my day and I see, hey, I want to be like this person, I think, no, I have my own strengths. So now I've just been focusing on building those strengths up so they can glorify God in the most profound way possible. Yeah, so we were talking in this whole series that things should become second nature to us. That when you give, when you pray, when you fast, when you worship, today when you go, how would you say for you, taking that, that, getting out of that comfort zone, taking that uh, first steps and, and go, I mean, literally, you went, and you were going, right? Um, how are you able to now take that initial um, idea of not just staying complacent, and how are you applying that now to your, to your life so that you don't settle back in to where you were before? Yeah, um, so the biggest thing about walking across the country is I was really, as much as I didn't want to say I was scared, I was really scared because you don't know what you're going to face. And I think that is a lot of the biggest blockers for people wanting to go is they don't know what they're going to face because it's different. And now I catch myself thinking, hey, I am scared. I am worried about what's going to come up. But I know if it is for the glory of God, 
he's going to get it set up just like he did the trip. And now seeing the trip, I know that no matter what, if I am going towards what he wants, it's going to work well, so why not try it? And that sort of leads into the, the thing. Again, we don't want to just hear a cool story. We want to inspire you guys to do whatever it is you're called to do, to get out of your comfort zone. What is it that God is calling you to do and that you need to take those next steps? So if you had to give them sort of a rah-rah, you can do it, uh, pep talk, have at them. This is your chance to now preach, right? We were just telling a story before. Now you can preach. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that's good. I'll leave the preaching to you. <laughs> I just, uh, what, are, you, are you anybody special? In this, I mean, obviously we're all God's children, but is, did you do anything that uh, other people couldn't do? Maybe not from a physical standpoint, because maybe some people can't physically do it, but it, is there really anything, or is it just that you said yes? It was just that I said yes, because, like you said, anybody can walk across the country. It's just walking. It's not too difficult, unfortunately. And I feel like so often people feel like they can't do something because they feel limited. And once you say yes, you see all these different things opened up. So if you guys are afraid to say yes to anything, just know that if you are going, like I said earlier, for the glory of God, it's going to be set up the way you need it to be. And it's going to be easier than you think, because, as I said earlier, walking across the country... Most people would think that it's really hard, but it was much simpler than most people think just because God set it up so easily and made sure everything was provided that I need. And of course, as much as I did say it was easy, he did make, sh make sure that I learned the lessons along the way because at the beginning I wasn't financially smart and that led to me having to worry about money at some points. But then after I learned the lesson, he's like, hey, let's go through these couple days of you like you should have financially been better. He did provide at that point. All right, so what we're going to do at this point is I'm going to grab a mic. I'm going to ask Nate to help out if he would. And uh, we're just going to pass the mic. If anybody has questions for Nico, uh, just put your hand up. Nate will get you the mic. And we'll up oh, back there in the back. Welcome. What's your name? My name's Jeannie. All right, Jeannie, Jeannie nice to have you here. This is my husband, Joe. Good to have you here. What do you, and this what? is our first time, so thank you for having us. But Mine Nico, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, as you were walking, um, did people mistake you for homeless ever? I think a couple times, but luckily I look young enough that most people are like, this guy's just doing something weird. So He just looked a little dirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did make sure I was I always shaved, always had a haircut, just so... Um, I didn't want to look 100% homeless because I did want to be opened up to conversation about what I was doing. And I figured if I looked really bad, everybody would be like, I don't really want to talk to this guy. So there might have been a couple times I got some weird looks and people having some interesting opinions, but most of the time everybody was really open to conversation. Thanks, great question. Who else? Question for Nico here. Hi, Nico, Judy. you're impressive. My name's oh. Judy. Um, my question was, when and how did you become a believer? Yeah, so like I said, um, growing up, I wasn't in an actual um, Christian household. And up until probably sixth grade, I hadn't been going to church. And I started this brand new school. As most people know, going to school is really scary. So I had this 
amazing friend of mine, which I've known since sixth grade, and say, hey, do you want to come to a youth group with me? And from there until 12th grade, it was off and on as most um, people growing up goes through. And then it wasn't until about two and a half years ago that I fully accepted him and got baptized and all those, all those wonderful things. Hey, Nico. I'm Caden. Oh. Um, Caden. Right. <laughs> I was wondering, how do you, like, how much do you think that you grew spiritually? Like percentage-wise or? Just in general. Just in general. I think I have a different outlook on how much I need him and um, need him in everyday life now because when I would talk to people, my thing would be, hey, get rid of those pillars, get rid of your safety zones, and then get in a place where you need him. But now I'm back to the same point. I'm in those safety zones again. So luckily I was able to grow enough that now I'm able to reference back to the trip and be like, hey, I have these different things I need to make sure I focus on so I still need to rely on him. Good morning. My name's Brenda, and I would like to know what your next steps are. Oh, goodness. I have been asked that a lot. (laughs) Um, I I don't 100% know, and I didn't 100% know before the trip started. Of course, I have the book coming out, and I've had the amazing opportunity to speak to a couple different churches and high schools, but I think right now it's just trying to fully digest what the trip was and what it meant to me, and then I'll take the next step. I've thought about doing Mount Everest or something like that. (laughs) At 22, I mean, as much as I say I set the bar high, now i got to go up a little bit more, and I don't know what's left. So... Uh, forgot to mention, his book is coming out. It's called We're All Lost. And it just went to the editors uh, yeah, last, round of yeah, last week. So it should be coming out in the next couple months. So if you're interested in that, uh, we continue to advertise it. And uh, you can follow his Facebook page, uh, Nico's Walk Across America, just to get more information if you want to read more of the details about everything. Hershey's got a question. Yeah, so my name's Hershey. And my question is, because you brought up a good point that you wanted to look at approachable, and that's why you try to keep up on your hygiene and stuff like that. But in people with their situation not being able to do that, what would you say to those to inspire them to give them the time of day if they don't have that luxury and they really are in that position? And they want more people to talk to them? Yes. Um, I think a smile helps. Um, Because when you're in a position, you always think you're down on yourself and you're always in a bad mood, per se. And a smile greets people really, really well. So just show that happy and you want to be open to conversation because a lot of people like and even I've seen um, this guy doesn't look like he wants to be talked to so I'm not going to talk to him and if you look like you want to be talked to then a lot of people will open themselves up to talk to you very fine looking gentleman in the back there Hi. that's my dad by the way <laughs> hi Nico I'm Gil son and uh, my question is generally speaking post-trip, after the trip, as you interface in your hometown or in the, in the Facebook world, however, those who respond, you, seem to, you see respond to you the most. Young, middle-aged, older, just generally speaking. So who do I see respond to me the most? Um, so it's actually, I have a lot of young people, so I've had, like I said, had the opportunity to talk to a couple high schools and tell them, like, hey, 
um, sometimes the wrong answer is the right answer. But I've also had a lot of older people talk to me because I referenced regret. And I think the reason they talked to me is because, I can't 100% say this, but that they might have had something that they've wanted to do, and they're like, hey, this guy's doing it. Maybe he can help me one day do it, or give me the tips in a little bit, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit, of course there is the middle age area, but it's more younger and older. Elisa. Hi, my name's Elisa. Nice to meet you, Rico. Um, I have actually two questions. So yeah. I'll ask one, and then you can answer, and then I'll ask the other one. Um, my first question is, you said you didn't grow up in a Christian household, so I was wondering, um, have you been able to touch anyone in your family through what you did or bring them to the Lord in some way um, through this trip or some other way? Yeah, so I'll give a little quick background, nothing too in-depth on my family. So growing up, my uh, mother did deal with substance abuse and things like that. So um, when I did go to church, there was always a boundary in a sense because I was used to this household being like this, and now I'm used to Christians acting like this. It's kind of weird, that little offset. And as I did grow up, I think I made a little bit of an impact on them, but I don't think enough to transform their idea of who Christ is and what he has done. And going on the trip, maybe I've inspired them, but I don't think, honestly, that I've done my best to use the trip to help them get closer to Christ, which I still need to work on 100%. Maybe that's your next step. <laughs> Say it one more time. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe that's my next step. <laughs> but my second question was, um, as you've been talking, I've noticed that you have this tattoo on your arm, and it, from here it kind of looks like a tree. <laughs> and I was kind of wondering, did it mean something to you? or? Yeah, uh, so funny little story about this. I was in Kansas City one day. It was a couple months after I got it. This couple walks up and was like, hey, is this your baby's first words? At that time, I did not look old enough to have a child. <laughs> so it's actually... Um, it's actually a tree. It was supposed to fade into the vein. And the biggest premise of the tree was if you cut off a limb, it's going to st still keep growing. It's not going to stop. And I wanted that to represent how I was going to be. If I have this hard setback, I'm not going to stop going. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep pushing forward. And every time I see myself have a setback, this is a good reference point to be like, hey, just keep going. But funny side, it usually depends on the day if I tell someone it's a sound wave or something. <laughs> All right. Mr. Bruce, last question. Hi, Nico. Uh, we met outside there, Bruce. Um, at any time during your journey, did you have any inklings on stopping and saying, what am I doing? And if you did, what kept you moving? What kept you going? Every day. Every day I wanted to stop. Um, there was a short little, short little story. There was a, it was the first couple weeks into the trip, and I was about 20 miles from the next town. So I walked I think it was like 12 miles, and I still had another eight to go. And at that point, my body wasn't conditioned to walk 30 miles. So I had cramps, everything on my body was hurting, and I was on the side of the road basically throwing a temper tantrum. And I wanted to quit, but it came to the point that I'm 12 miles from this town. It's easier to get the eight miles than it is to get this 12 miles. And once I got to that town, I came into the realization of, I still made it even though I didn't want to make it or didn't think I could make it. And now the next day when I walked, I was wanting to give up and I thought about to the past day and I was like, hey, I pushed past that boundary, let's see where the next boundary is. And after a while, that's when it started going from pain points on stopping to it just takes time. It just takes eight hours to walk. 
sure you guys have a lot of other uh, questions. Nico will be out in the lobby afterwards, so if you want to go up and uh, meet him and ask your uh, question, I'm sure he'd love to do it. He has nowhere else to go because he can't leave until I leave, and I'm here for a long time. So. Oh, my plane leaves uh, tomorrow. He'll be a very uh, captive audience out there. So um, I want to pray for him. I want to pray for you guys. Uh, yeah, as and we thank you guys to, uh, for having me again. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for Nico. We thank you for uh, the journey that he took and the wisdom uh, that he was able to glean from the journey and that he was able to pass along to us. And Lord, I just pray now that as we all look at our own journeys and the next steps that you're having for us to take, that God, we would be obedient to whatever that may be. Again, it may not be walking across America, uh, but it, it, everybody has something that we're being called to do. And so help us in the same way that he did rely on you and the, the power of prayer to, to hear your voice and what is the exact next step that I need to take. Help us not to go on the journey alone. Help us to uh, rely on and depend on uh, other people and other Christians. And Lord, in the midst of that journey, help us to discover what our purpose is. That um, oftentimes we think that, well, I don't need to know my purpose, then I'll start doing something. But Often, you just call us to take the next step, and the next step after that, and the next step, and, and we discover the purpose along the way. So help us to get out of our comfort zones, to, to break down those pillars that are holding us back, and just be obedient so that it isn't if we go, but it's when we go on your behalf. And help us as we're going to remember that the, the main thing is to make disciples of all nations, and that we are called to be disciple makers. And so, uh, again, thank you that... Uh, you call just average people like us, simple people like us, to make a difference for you and for your kingdom. Lord, I continue to pray for Nico as he's getting more and more opportunities to go out and to speak, that you would just continue to help him to inspire others, uh, give him safe travels as he uh, continues to, to get to places much faster than he used to, uh, whether it be by car or plane or even as he's out walking, Lord, just Put your angels around him, help him to be uh, protected, and just give him the words that you would have him to share, uh, whether it be before crowds of people or just in one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, so that he can inspire others to just take those next steps that we're all called to take. Thank you for this opportunity we've had today to come in and hear his story, and we just thank you for that. But most of all, we thank you, Jesus, for your story, that you came and you died for us on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven so that we could have not just eternal life forever with you, but an abundant life right here and right now. Help us to live in the reality of that as we trust more and more in you each and every day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, give Nico another uh, big hand here. Thank you, Nico, uh, for coming out. Appreciate it.